Uh, we appreciate all that they do for us. I uh, hope they've had a great vacay, great camping time. Uh, there's a lot of folks out. Look, we do. We support that. We want you to be here. We expect that. But we want families to get away, to be together, to hang out. And that is A-OK. -okay. Super excited about Miss Ashley and Miss Jamie leading us in worship this morning. The hometown girls carrying us on our way. Super appreciative of all that Cy and Stephen and Olivia and Caden have been doing for us. Yes, yes, yes. See, that's what happens. Be on time. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right. And we've got families visiting with us and we're thankful for that. And church, I just I just want to um, I just want to let you know that 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 um, I, I believe that, that God's doing some wild and crazy things as far as our church goes and, and as far as challenging our elders goes and as far as staffing goes. And somebody asked me this morning how the search was going because we, we don't talk about it and I'm not exactly out there searching. But I, I, I can tell you that um, we have talked to two or three folks as far as ministry positions in our church. And um, I can tell you that God has connected uh, us uh, with a couple of individuals in a very, 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 very crazy way. And so we are navigating this whole, oh my gosh, God, what are you doing? All right, so we're in that time. That's, that's really all I know to give you. God is doing and we're trying to figure out what. So it's really scary, but it's really fun. And we need you to really pray, all right, because we, we want to get this right. We, we don't want to miss out on what God has for us. It's a great day to praise the Lord, so that's what we're going to do. If you pray with me, and after we pray, you can stand up and they will lead us. Father God, just overflow our hearts today. Fill us with all the joy, all the peace, all the love, all the hope. Bring smiles to our faces by way of one another and by the way of the Holy Spirit. Give Ashley and Jamie uh, uh, a cup runneth over mentality, heart, and spirit this morning. Give me clarity as we teach this morning on how we connect with you through prayer in Jesus' name and amen. Okay.
Church, somebody said recently, if you have to ask how was worship, you're asking the wrong question. 
Because in order to find out how worship truly was, you'd need to ask God how it was for him. Because he is the object of our worship. Worship is not for you. It is not for me. So if I ask Sam, how was worship for you? Sam's response should be, I don't know. How was it for God? Amen? Amen. All right, church. So we have been making our way through a, uh, we'll call it a series, I guess. Um, We're talking about the attributes that God requires of his church, of his bodies of believers. We're talking about things that we as the body of NBC on Main want to make sure that we are keeping the main things, the main things, right? We want to make sure we are not sweating the small stuff because it's all small stuff, right? All the book titles coming out right now, right? We, we want to make sure that, yes, we want a great children's ministry. We do. Yes, we want some uh, Baptist buffets. We want a few fellowship suppers, you know? We want to get together after church and order some chicken. That's what we want to do. We want to have quality music. We want to have a strong student ministry program. We want to make sure there's coffee available. But if that's what we're looking for and why we go to church, eventually we are pleasing man and not pleasing God. Now, a year ago, we went through a book uh, uh, called Irresistible Church, and it was about the church that heaven applauds and all the things that the angels clap for and that they desire out of a church. But diving deeper into the scripture, we have to look at the difference between what man wants and what God wants. And I am going to say over and over and over again that the key to all of it is consistency and persistency. There are things that God says when he asks us to do something that he is going to do for us. Blessed are those who read my word aloud. So those who read the word aloud are what? Blessed. But we live in a culture where if we want a burger, we get to the drive-thru and within 30 seconds they hand us a burger. So here's what we want. We want to grab our Bible and we want to go, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Bless me! And when it doesn't happen, what do we do? We put, we put the book down. Oh, oh, you know what? I'm running really behind on my bills. So you know what I'm going to start doing? I'm going to try this tithing thing. And I'm going to write a check to the church today. And sometime this week in the mail, there's going to be a giant blessing. Because look at me. Oh, I just now found out I'm sick. I think I'm going to really lay into the prayer today. And God's going to answer it tomorrow. Am I wrong? Anybody? Nobody does that. I'm the only sinner in the joint. I just me. No? Today we're going to talk about prayer. And I, I do. I have a longing in my heart, and I have never, ever been shy about what I'm about to tell you. Prayer in and of itself, as God expects and demands of it, is not one of my strong points. 
okay? I have met people. I've told you about people that I've met. When they pray, I'm like, I need to go to the altar. Whether I'm driving, <laughs> whether I'm eating, I'm like, I'm about to get saved for like the third time. You know, they pray and you're just that much Jesus, right? I've met people who I believe could pray a demon out of anyone, all right? I, I'm, I'm not him. I can communicate with the best of them. But my prayer life is not like Diane Cobbs. My prayer life is not like Mike Satterfield's. In fact, uh, I was having uh, 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 lunch. I was trying to think if it was dinner or lunch because I was out. I was having lunch with uh, three couples. And uh, one of the couples was talking about this meeting that was taking place with her husband. And, and the meeting was supposed to be, you know, just, just happening, right? And she said, I was on my knees and I was praying the whole time. Now that meeting ended up lasting four hours. So about the first hour in, she's like, God, I'm going to need you to do something. God, I'm going to need you to go. God, is this great? God, is this not? And part of me was going, woman, ain't no way you were on your knees for four hours. But I was looking at her eyes and part of me was going, dang, you were on your knees for four hours. I was just, I was blown away by that fact. I was enriched by that fact. I was thankful for that fact. Because I was actually a part of that meeting. So she'd been praying for, for me too. Right? Now, I'm not saying I don't have a prayer life, all right? There is, there is zero doubt in any member of this congregation, zero doubt, that I am a poster child for ADHD, all right? We, we all know this. Nobody talks about it, but everybody gets it and understands it, all right? Here's the problem. I've been tested I've been tested. I went to a sociologist like and, and tried to get medicated. They put me in the room. They gave me all the tests. Pass with flying colors. You know why? I was 35 years old at that time. Been living with it for years. And I was not about to let that computer beat me. I sat there for 30 minutes. One, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, one, one. I was like, uh-uh. I am not being beaten by a 75-year-old computer that looks like I can play Pong on it. <laughs> so I wasn't paying attention. I was in competition. It's how I win. And so, you know, they write two letters. I think it was like the lady that was working, one of my best friends, and she was working as our administrative assistant at the church at the time, and I think it was my mom. And they were both like, oh, Craig Adapsa, da 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 And they, they wouldn't say, you know, they love me. They, uh, so I was like, oh, I can't get medication. Now, I can't drive down the highway without missing six exits. If one of you, I need to make a rule that you can't call me between like 8.30 and 9. You know Why? Because if somebody calls me or texts me while I'm on my way somewhere, my car always ends up in that parking lot. Doesn't matter where I'm going. Nugget will be like, Daddy, take me. I'll be sitting in the parking lot. She's supposed to be at daycare. I can't do it. So my prayers are a lot like that. When I think of you, I pray for you. And it's about that long. But if I think of you six times, you get prayed for six times. They're called arrow prayers. I read about them in a devotional book one time, and I was like, that's me. And I felt validated. So some of you may be like, the God, I'm not, you know, and you're 30 minutes. Me, I'm like, ha, I prayed 72 times a day for six seconds each. Na-na-na-na-boo-boo. 
why, why, why don't we pray more? And I would love, you, you guys know, I don't care if you yell out from the audience, why don't we pray more? And some of you I know are embarrassed because some of you are going to say, well, time. But you know as soon as you say that, I'm going to say, you don't have time not to. Why, why, do we just, why do we just pray when we need him? How does that make you feel? We've had people who come to church, you know, they'll come and they'll, they'll say, hey, can you, and true story, hey, can you pay my rent? Well, yeah, we actually have some leftover money. We'd be happy to help pay your rent or your electric bill or your car bill. And they, they've shown up for church the next Sunday. And they'll be there for two or three weeks. Ah, hey, can you pay my car payment? Well, they're, they're attending now, and I, I got no problem with that. So then three weeks later, hey, can, can you pay my water bill? No. Guess what happened next Sunday? They weren't here. Can I ask you a question? Do you think God maybe sometimes feels that way about us? Oh, I'll hang out with you as long as you're blessing me. I'll hang out with you as long as you're meeting my needs. I'll hang out with you as long as you're providing for me, whether I'm doing the work or not, whether I'm being obedient or not. Well, prayer seems formal. That's because we made it formal, right? That's because most of us in this room over 40 remember the bulletin. And we, could, we had no idea what a benediction was. We had no idea what an invocation was. And the only other time we heard a prayer was when somebody said, God bless this food and the nourishment of our bodies and our bodies to your service. In Jesus' name, amen. Before every Wednesday night meal ever. You're nodding. You've heard that prayer before. Every deacon in America has to learn it. And I don't even think it's written down. But I just quoted it like it was scripture. I love this quote I found. F.B. Meyer, the author of the great little book, The Secret of Guidance, said, The great tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. Come on. Write that on your spirit this morning. The great tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, but unauthored prayer. Listen to this. I know this is, is, is not, not very big up here, but it's, it's worth listening to. It is a common temptation of Satan to make us give up the reading of the word and prayer when our enjoyment is gone. Let me stop right there. It is awesome to do things when it feels yummy. We're into the Bible and preaching when we're at crossings and there's 300 kids there and the drums are going. We're into our worship when the people around us are doing it. We're into reading the word when there's a, a communicator who makes us understand it. But when the enjoyment's gone, what happens? We don't do it just to do it. Now listen, as if it were no use to read the scriptures when we do not enjoy them. That's like going to a hospital, being hooked up to an IV that is literally feeding you, all right, and going, that doesn't taste good, take it out. But you need it. Yes, but I don't enjoy it. What happens if they take it out? Yes, or at least your body doesn't get what it needs. I am telling you, without scripture and prayer, your soul is malnourished. 
Let me say it again. Without scripture and prayer, your soul is malnourished. Do you know how many times people come to me? More times than they come to me about alcohol or about marriage or about anything. They come to me and say this. I just feel empty. I just don't feel Jesus. I just am not into worship. I just am not getting anything. Your spirit's hungry, thirsty, malnourished. Get in the word, but it's boring. I don't care. Dig in. As you start to build up, it's like dieting. It's like working out. As your spiritual muscles begin to take shape and begin to take root, something flips in your system. I know you've experienced this. You go to the gym, you get up, you go to the gym, you get up, and then one day you're like, I missed the gym. That's it. There will come a day when you will crave scripture. I wonder if the Bible says anything about that. I hunger and thirst for your righteousness, oh Lord. I wonder if God didn't tell us it was coming. As if it were no use to pray when we have no spirit of prayer. The truth is, tell us, Mr. Mueller, the truth is, where was I? That in order to enjoy the word, we ought to continue to read it. And the way to obtain a spirit of prayer is to continue praying. The less we read, the less we desire. The less we pray, the less we desire. One of my dreams, I am looking for no one at this moment. I am pouring out my heart to my congregation. One of my dreams, one of my heart's cries is for men and women to want to pray so passionately that there were a group of them who had not a leader, but a coordinator who could say, oh, yes, it's going to be Greg and, and Dee Dee in, in this room every Sunday morning so that when I stand out here on the stage, I'm standing on way more than the stage. I'm standing on the power of two of God's children calling out to him for all of us. I dream of a day where there are two, three, four women, men in that room every Sunday morning, 30 minutes before we start, all the way through. I want that to happen. And guess what? There are people in this room right now who know they're supposed to do that, who want that to happen too, but right now it will last about three weeks. And I love you, but do you know how I know? Because that's how service lasts in our church right now. Loving, wonderful, beautiful people. But when something else comes along, we back out. Cleaning teams are really good for about three months. I'm not talking to everybody. I'm talking about most people. And then we've got two on each team. And then we reboot. And then we've got two on each team. And then we reboot. And please, I love you. This is not a complaint. This is, this is a diagnosis. You go to the doctor, you've got cancer. That's not fair. Didn't say it was. I wasn't trying to cut you down. It's a diagnosis. I'm telling you what's wrong. And I'm telling you how to fix it. Guess what? If you're still sitting there a year from now, just like you are today, I will treat you the very same way when you came in. I will love you the very same way when you go out. I will hug your neck the same way I did a year ago. But I'm going to stand here and tell you the same thing. Until you get it right, your soul's starving. And until we have this, I may go powerless. Prayerless pews make powerless pulpits. It doesn't matter how good I am. 
So let's talk about prayer in a few ways. If you're going to begin to pray, this thing jumped us in there. It's not whether or not it's enjoyable to do it, and it can be. Just like working out can be super enjoyable, right? Food can be super enjoyable. Dieting, wait, Craig, dieting is not enjoyable. Hold on, it can be. When your pants start not fitting, when your arms get a little tight in your shirt sleeves, when your pooch starts to depoochify, that is a word, And you figure out that you feel better eating this than this. And then you go back and you eat something that you thought you loved. And you're just, you get a headache or you, you get, well, you know, you spend more time in a particular small room. <laughs> Same with your soul. Good in, good out. Number one, if you're going to pray, pray persistently, all right? Something happens when we pray persistently. Here's what Jesus said. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them. He took time to tell a story to show them what? That they should always pray, always pray, not sometimes pray, always pray, and not give up, okay? There's a difference between constantly and consistently, okay? I can't do anything constantly, all right? But I can make an effort to do things consistently. If I'm focused in on something, I, in fact, I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but I was focused in on something last night, and my wife tried to distract me with something that would absolutely distract me, and I didn't get distracted. And I was, I was upset by that, and so was she, all right? I have to fix that. I need to be able to do more, more, than, more than one thing at once, all right? But I love this one, because look at this. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. Every one of these verbs, we don't, we don't have the exact tense. It would sound really weird, but it would kind of be like, ask and never stop asking. Seek and never stop seeking. Knock and never stop knocking. And here's what happens when you do it that way. Not ask and it will be given, because that's not what it means. It's not a moment. It's a future happening, consistent, you know. So ask and continue asking, and it will be given you. Wait, there's a way that I can have what I have? Yeah, ask. And continue asking and it will be given to you. Seek and continue seeking and you will find. Knock and continue knocking and the door will be over. Open. Now, God clarifies that statement with a verse I'm going to use later. In whatever you ask, ask in my name. All right. Now, here's where uh, not, not as mature, not as mature. We're not calling them immature. They're not as mature Christians. Throw that verse in. Hey, God, I would love to have a Mercedes in Jesus' name. I would love for you to bring me a, a smoking hot wife in Jesus' name. It's not what he means. When you pray in the name of Jesus, all right, you are praying in the power, the authority, the word, the, the Yahweh, the Jesus, the, the, the name of Jesus, right? And so a name is everything that you are. I used to use this illustration with teenagers. I would say, am I short? Yes. Am I bald? Yes. Am I loud? Yes. We even made a t-shirt that says short, bald, and loud in Chinese, all right? Has my name on it, all right? We, 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 did, we literally had those. And, and the point was, those things are a part of me, but they do not define me. 
They do not describe all of me. Even if you said rambunctious or some of the students, you know, it was funny. I got a story last week or two weeks ago, a text from a, a mom and, and, and the daughter wasn't here. And she said, how was service today? And the mom said it was great. And the daughter said, did he yell? So apparently I do a lot of yelling. I do not. I am passionately full of volume. Okay. All right. So, so passionately full of volume. I, I, I raise and lower my voice accordingly. Oh, Sophia's like, mm, mm, no, you yell. I just got the, what, what, what I call the look at my face look. It's like, yeah. Okay. A name entails everything that you are. So when we're baptizing someone in the name of Jesus, we're literally immersing them in all that he is. When you pray in Jesus' name, you are praying through all that he is. So prayers that don't contain things that are of God, don't make it through the filter, so to speak. Does God hear them? Yes. There's never a prayer that God doesn't hear. But when it comes to asking, when our hearts begin to align with his heart and our voice begins to mimic his voice and our, our, our words begin to become his words by his spirit, when God's spirit overtakes us and we intercede for someone else, even to the point us good Baptists don't believe in this, but a biblical form of speaking in tongues. When you don't know what to say and the Holy Spirit says it for you, between you and God, absolutely run with that because I want the Spirit speaking. Speaking for me. And I want to connect with God in that way. And you will pray passionately when you do. So when you start to feel the connection with the Father, your hair on your arm stands up, you know, those Holy Spirit bumps, right? And your heart begins to get excited and the joy begins to come over you. And it's, oh, your soul is nourished. You want more. And that is where the passion comes from. When we talk about relationships, we talk about passion, right? And when you say, ooh, my marriage is full of passion, our, our heads all go one way, right, right, right? But every woman, some men, but every woman will tell you, but those moments aren't passionate without conversation, without um, a good day. If you have an argument right before physicality, the physicality is not the same. But fellas, if you do dishes or mow the lawn or, or clean the house, or there's passion. It's different. How your relationship is creates what's going on, right? It, cross the board. Pray persistently. Pray passionately. Let's take a look at how Jesus did that. Okay, I, I didn't want us to read through all these verses. I just want to tell you what they are. Every time we see Jesus praying, he was praying with passion. He was praying with an overwhelming sense of emotion. And I want you to look at the things that happened. In Luke chapter 3 verse 1, Jesus prays at his baptism. And while he was praying, heaven opened up and God spoke so that the people could hear, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. A passionate prayer tore open the heavens. Check this out in Luke 6, 12, before he called the disciples, before he picked the 12 guys. Now you're like, that's a moment. No, it wasn't a moment. He was making hires. He was making callings that would affect you sitting here today. He was picking the 12 people that would take the gospel to the ends of the earth when he died. And so what did he do? He spent the whole night, the whole night in prayer before he ended up at the docks of the sea saying, you, 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 follow me. 
And what came of that? The church. At his transfiguration, at his transfiguration, he, be, he stops speaking to the people and he starts speaking to the Lord, to his father. And, 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 and while he did so, he, his appearance and his face became different. His clothes became white and were, were gleaming. Passion enables us. In John 17, he was, he was, he was giving uh, uh, the, the priestly prayer. It's the prayer that I quote over and over again, all right? And he was praying for himself because he was headed to the cross. If he had not done that, he might not have been stored up to do the job that he had to do, to hang out on the cross, to say things like, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, to, to experience things like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then he prays for the disciples. He knows that after this moment, everything is done. It is finished, but they have to now carry this message to the entire world or there is no faith, there is no church, there is no word and he prays for you. I quote it all the time. I pray not only for them alone, I pray also for all who will believe in me through their message that they may be one. It's a passionate prayer about what will bring everyone to Jesus across the expanse of time. In the Garden of Gethsemane he prayed so passionately the, 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 the vessels in his forehead burst. And as he cried, blood trickled down too. You, you can't tell me there's no passion in that. As he said, Father, let this cup pass from me. And then his heart changes lanes. It turns a corner. And he says, not my will, but your be done. Listen to me. Some of us need to pray so hard we turn the corner. Some of us need to pray so hard until our words switch, not mine, but thine. Some of us are like the prodigal son. When he came to his father in the beginning, he said, give me. When he returned to his father broken, he said, make me. Some of us need to turn the corner. And as he hung on the cross, he prayed, Father, Forgive them. A passionate prayer enables us to maintain the right spirit in every circumstance. Last of all, pray powerfully. Well, Craig, what do you mean? I'm not a powerful prayer. Then let me just say that's because you're not a powerful believer. What? That's not fair. I didn't call you not a believer. I said you weren't a powerful believer. You know what a believer does? A believer believes what God says when God says it. A believer believes if you'll ask in my name, I will give it to you. You can pray powerfully because you know on the other end of that prayer is exactly what you prayed for. Man, if you have just that much faith, you can move a mountain. Look at this. I say to you, Jesus, I say to you, do you believe it or not? Do you believe? Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. Do you believe he's lying? Or do you believe that you can do it? Because the Bible says you can. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. There's a promise. God says, if you'll get together and you will pray, you will be healed. Well, will my disease go away? It's not what it says. It says you'll be healed. Maybe that healing will come in eternity. Maybe that healing will come on earth. Maybe that healing will come in your relationship with your family. Maybe that healing will come in your relationship in your marriage. Maybe that healing will come in your children. But he promises you will be healed. Do you believe it or not? You play powerfully when you do. And I will do whatever you ask in my name. Woo! What kind of faith can you have if you believe the Bible? God said it. Do you believe it? Well, I don't pray. Then you believe nothing. 
except that he saved you from your sin and you've got your ticket to heaven and I'm happy for you for that. But this is not what he said he came for. He said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the... I want a church that wants to live. I want a church that wants to pray. I want a church that wants to buy in. And I am not condemning anyone. I am calling everyone. Because I want this for you. Here's five things that prayer can do for you. Prayer can connect you to God. Prayer is our communication with the Father and more importantly, his communication with us. And when you are connected to God, something very special happens. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you will abide in me, promise, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Has anybody ever felt like they, they just couldn't get there, couldn't get over the hump? They were anxious, they were lonely, they were alone, they were broken, they were poor. Anybody felt at the bottom of the barrel? Connect with God! Well, if I connect, will I have fruit? I don't know. Ask an apple tree. I'm sorry, bananas. Does it happen overnight? No. The roots got to go down and you got to stay connected. The rain has to fall and you got to stay connected. The sun has to shine and you got to stay connected. But when all those things happen, what happens? Fruit. It's almost like the Bible was. Prayer can connect us to God. Second, they can connect us to one another. Remember the verse, bear one another's burdens. Have you ever, have you ever been, um, had a friend or been dating someone and you, you sit down to talk and and you start sharing things like um, something that happened with a parent or you start sharing things like a hard moment you went through and something happens there. And I'm not saying they get handsomer or they get prettier, but does everybody know what I'm talking about when you start sharing and, and, and hearing burdens and, 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 and hearing how you got through it and being encouraged and all of a sudden you just like them more, maybe even more than like them? It's how, it's, it's how emotional affairs begin, folks. Because of this very fact. Well, when God calls you to pray for one another and bear one another's burdens, guess what happens? The body connects. We hurt with. We laugh with. We loss, mourn loss with. We dance with. Right? And you are connected to God and you are connected to one another. Prayer does this. Prayer commands patience. Prayer commands patience. Why? Because we want what we want and we want it now. But if you are praying the right way, you are asking God for it, you are knowing he will do it, but you have to wait on it. Come on. I need to, somebody need, I'm going to re-record that because that's good. You are asking God for it, you're believing he will do it, but you have to wait on it because his timeline's not the same as ours prayer commands our patience but boy it compounds our courage if you really believe that God says he's going to do what he's going to do your shoulders will go back your chest will go out your head will go up because the God of the universe is on your team the God of the universe is answering your call the God of the universe has a red line from your phone you're way more confident when you are connected to the almighty God instead of floundering around on your own or on somebody like me and finally it clears our vision 
clears our vision. So we see things as God sees them. It's been a while since I quoted, and if I'd have thought about it, I would have played the song to end the message. But I don't even, wouldn't even know where to tell him to find it. But it goes like this. Sometimes I walk, sometimes I crawl. Every now and then I fly, way too often I fall. If you would call me good and faithful, God, I'd be surprised. But that's the problem with my vision. God, I need your eyes. Mm. Mm. That song is way down here with me. I actually recorded that song at least once, maybe twice, when we were doing cassettes and CDs back in the day. I actually had a woman ask me for an eight track once. True story. <laughs> CDs came out. She called me on it. She said, I need one CD, one cassette, and one eight track. And I went, well, not that old. When we begin to connect to God, we see people. We see circumstances. We see life. We see death. We see uh, homelessness. We see riches. We see glory. We see all of the things in Ecclesiastes. There's a time and season and a place for everything under the sun. All right? And if you don't know that, then it's the song, Turn, Turn, Turn. Okay? Same thing. But it's not a pick and choose. It's a buffet of life. Because if you, you say, I don't want to mourn, but if you've never loved so much and hurt so deeply and cried so deeply, you don't know what you're talking about. Because there have been moments that I have cried and wept and mourned over things because I loved so deeply. Do not pass those things by. Prayer connects us to God, connects us to each other, commands our patience, compounds our courage, and clears our vision. God's calling his people. I'm calling his church to pray. Pray with me. This morning. God, I, I, all I have this morning is teach us to pray. So, so that's all I'm going to say. Teach us to pray. Force us into the scriptures and teach us to pray. Break our hearts and teach us to pray. Open our eyes to the needs of our community and our church family and teach us to pray. Empower us to be the, the, the stone, the, the foundation that our worship team stands on and our pastor preaches on. Teach us to pray. May the words of our mouths and meditations of our hearts please you, God. Teach us to pray. In Jesus' name. And amen. I love you. God bless you. Happy 4th. Have a great Sunday. Thanks for being with us.